Okay, let's dig in. Um, sorry, I am still recovering. Um, I've had a slew of things that have just kind of hit me one after the next. Uh, last week at the nine o'clock service, I was actually in the process of, of um, letting go of everything in my stomach, which was uh, not fun. And uh, so, but um, what you got is uh, an even better version of me. You got my wife uh, who, who shared and... Um, and I just want to honor her. I, you know, she had two hours notice to give the message last Sunday. I uh, woke up in the morning and about seven o'clock was like, guess what? You're giving the message. <laughs> and so we went through it quickly. I gave her my notes and, uh, and she rocked it. Uh, I, uh, I texted someone in the nine o'clock service and I said, uh, it's, it's a bad day when you get sick and you lose your job. Uh, <laughs> But who better than to lose it to my wife, who's amazing, and I just love her heart and her just, she has such a gifting of speaking. Uh, and so it's, it's amazing. So anyway, I just want to honor you. Thank you. Uh, you're amazing. Uh, so we have been, and also thank you just for your prayers too, uh, in this healing process that we're going through. We've been in this season of going from community to family. And uh, we've been talking for quite a few weeks now, uh, and the Lord had given me the three words of just of family, unity, and maturity. And so this is really what we've been diving into, and it's been a fun process. The, the crazy part about this is, is uh, you know, sometimes I think what a lot of churches, we, what we try to do is we'll try to plan out our sermon series for the year or, you know, for six months or something. So our process is we plan out our sermon series for Sunday. That's as far as we get. At, because we don't know where the Lord is taking us in this season. And so sometimes it's Thursday, sometimes it's Friday, sometimes it's Saturday, sometimes it's Sunday that we realize, oh, this is what we're doing today. Um, and, uh, and that's the season we're in. And, and, I, and it's an exciting season. It's a little scary at times because you're like, Lord, it'd be nice to kind of have this thing well planned out. But here's the thing is we're, we're seeking the Lord in this season. We're saying, God, where are you taking us and what do you want to do? And it is a step-by-step process. I think sometimes what happens is, is if he goes, well, I'm taking you out here, what we do is we go, oh, great, and then we just pick up and we start to go here. And he's like, no, 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 I want you to listen to my voice and follow me every step of the way. Like, this isn't about, I'm going to give you the long-term vision here, and then you guys figure out how to get there. He's like, no, you're going to go in my power, in my might, not by our power, not by our might. We go by the Spirit, right? Okay, so uh, we've, we've been talking about this journey that we've been on, and now this new season of saying, hey, this is the time. We're actually, we're crossing over the Jordan. And I just want to reiterate some things. I know we've talked about this in the past, but there's a few things I just want to touch on to, to, so you realize what season we're in right now. The first thing that, this is in uh, Joshua 3, and the first thing that Joshua says is, uh, he says, move out from your position. And, oh, and, and here's the thing. The Israelites, this was a big deal for the Israelites because they had been in their position for 40 years. It's a long time, right? And he's like, no, you're moving out from your position. In three days, you're crossing the Jordan. That's a big deal. And, and the crazy part was all the first, the first group that, hey, you're, they were the ones that were going to get the promised land. None of them made it except for Caleb and Joshua. They were the only two. None of the rest made it for, uh, you know, for reasons that we're not going to go into. But there was a new generation, and, and they were saying, okay, Time to move out from your positions. And here's the thing. I think this is a season of uncomfortableness. We have to realize we're in this season of being uncomfortable, that, that there are changes happening, and, and we have to be okay with it. Who likes change? I said this in the last service. You're all liars. <laughs> Nobody likes change. Nobody likes it when, when everything is shifted around. I was saying, like, if you wake up in the morning and somebody's flipped your bed around and they've moved your clothes to another area and you go out to get a bowl of cereal and the spoons aren't where they're supposed to be and the bowls aren't where they're supposed to be, guess what? It's a bad morning, right? You're like, ah, where are the spoons? Where's the bowl? Where is everything? 
Like I know it's, you know, you're, we get into these routines and, and I think the Lord sometimes wants to take us out of a routine. And it's not always fun. It's not always enjoyable because we're like, oh no, we like it this way. This is the way we always do it. He's like, no, no, no. This is a new wineskin. You can't take the new with the old wineskin. There's a shift that's beginning to happen and it requires a new wineskin and it requires us to get a little uncomfortable because we don't know where we're going. We've never been this way before. And this is what Joshua says. He goes, keep your eyes on the Ark of the Covenant. Follow it because we're going over the Jordan. And he says, we've never been this way before and we don't know where we're going. All we can do is follow the Ark as we cross the Jordan. So that's all we've got. That's all we're gonna do is we're just seeking the Lord, we're going after him, and where he takes us, we don't know. How he does it, we're not sure. But if we keep our eyes on him, I guarantee it's gonna be a good thing. The last thing he says is he goes, consecrate yourselves. What does that mean? It's a big word. Set yourselves apart unto me. Set yourselves apart from the world. And and I believe now more than ever, I know we say, oh, we are setting ourselves apart. We're not. We really aren't. If we set ourselves apart, there is a difference from us to everyone around us. And I would question in our heart, and I'm not coming against us here and condemning us. I'm talking about myself. I'm talking about you guys. Us together, I believe there's more that we can do as we consecrate ourselves, as we set ourselves apart in the Lord, as we say we're going to go after this fully in this season. Christy talked about it last week, that the time is now. And here's the thing. If, if we're going to set ourselves apart, we cannot conform to the patterns of this world, which means that we can't be molded to the things that the world, the, that the world says are good. And unfortunately, it's so difficult in this season. Why? Because we have the, uh, we have meet multi, what am I thinking of? Uh, social media. We have, not multimedia, <laughs> social media. We have, we have television. We have uh, movies. We have all these things that would tell us the way that we're supposed to act, the way that we're supposed to do things using the wisdom of the world. And, and it's so easy, even for us as Christians, it's so easy even to teach this, to teach the wisdom of the world from up here. We have to be so cautious that we don't get molded by the things of this world, but that we actually get transformed by the renewing of our mind. And this is from the it only happens from the inside and it only happens by the Holy Spirit. And so there's this, like, and it only happens when we renew our mind. And how do we renew our mind is we get in the Word. How do we renew our mind? We, we allow the Spirit to wash over us. We allow the Father to wash over us. We get into worship. We get before the Lord and we say, okay, God, do not let these things mold my ways, mold my thinking, mold my habits, mold my, uh, the, the things that I, that I think and the things that I do. Don't let the world do it. So I, wanna, I just want to encourage you, consecrate yourselves in this time. Set yourselves apart. Do not let the things of the world mold us in this season. It's so important, and I'm going to explain why in a minute. The last thing I just want to say, and then we're going to dive in, in a double dive in, uh, is so these last few weeks, I just want us to see where, we've gone, where we're going here is that uh, we talked about in Ephesians 5, being compelled by love. And this is critical to where we're going, that we understand this, this, everything we do needs to be compelled by the love of the Father as we go after it. As we go after what he's called us to, it's out of love. If we don't have love, we have nothing. We have to have the love of the Father. It's, it's critical. We can do all the other stuff, but if we have not love, as it says in 1 Corinthians, it's like you're a clanging symbol. You're worth nothing. Sorry, but you are. You need love. So we've got to have the love. We're compelled by this love. And out of that, we become ambassadors of Christ. We become ministers of reconciliation. And we begin to live these lives that are, it's inconvenient ministry. It's inconvenient to our way of life. We go, oh, but I've got to do this and I've got my plans. And, and, and the Lord says, no, no, no. You're going to stop in the moment and you're going to do the things that I've asked you to do because watch the journey I'm going to take you on. And all we have to do is be willing to say, yes, I'll do it because I'm compelled by love. Marcus then took us a, a step deeper into the understanding of love when he talked in 1 John 4. And he says, what is love? Love is, is actually the Father giving the Son as an atonement for our sins so that we can have, be in right standing with the Father. That's love. 
That's the definition of love. And how do we have this com completed love in us? It's actually when we love others. It's not love, the love in us, the uh, perfected love in us does not come by just receiving the Father's love. We don't go, well, the Father loves me and I'm just going to receive that and now my love is perfected. It doesn't happen that way. It only happens as we take that love and we love others. And out of that, it actually perfects the love of the Father in us. And then Christy, last week, she talked about the time is now. And this is 2 Corinthians 6, where it says, this is, it, well, first it says, uh, Paul quotes uh, uh, Isaiah 49, and he says, in the time of my favor and in the day of salvation, and he goes on, um, and then he says this, Paul says, this is the time of my favor. This is the day of salvation. That's today. That's right now. And so this is what we're going to go into. I want you to hang with me here. We're going to go quickly. But the title of this message is Our Finest Hour. And, and I want to start in Isaiah. I say start. <laughs> um, we're going to continue here. If you go with me to Isaiah 59. I don't have this up on the screen. So hopefully you either brought your Bibles or your, your phones. Isaiah 59, and I'm going to start in the middle of verse 15 and then and, and walk you through something here that's really important. And let me just say this message that I have today, I'm praying that the Lord does this well because I feel like this is the most important message that I've given on this platform uh, since I've been here. And I don't know if it's going to be the best message, but it's the most important one. So I would ask Engage in this, engage your hearts in this, and, and we'll see what the Lord does. So thank you, Father. I just pray that you would have your way in our hearts this morning. Engage us right now. Would you engage our, every heart in this place because of the importance and the urgency of what you want to release today in Jesus' name? Okay, go with me, Isaiah 59, 15. It says, the Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice and he saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. And so his own arm worked salvation for him. What's he referring to? Jesus. He actually says, he, in, in Isaiah 52, he says he bore his, his arm, a bare arm. And this is Jesus. He sends his son in this time. He says, it's, this is his own arm works salvation for him. And he says, and his own righteousness sustained him. And he put on righteousness as a breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance. And he wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. According to what they have done, so will he repay wrath to his enemies and retribution to his foes. What's he talking about? He's talking about the enemy. He's saying, okay, Jesus is coming and Satan's going to pay. For trying to take his family away, Satan's going to pay for this. It's, it's retribution to his foes. And he says he will repay the islands their dues. And it says from the west, men will fear the name of the Lord. And from the rising of the sun, which is in the east, they will revere his glory. For he will come up, he will come like a pent-up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. And this is the Holy Spirit now being revealed. This is that breath of the Lord. And it says, the Redeemer has come to Zion to those in Jacob who repent of their sins. And then he says something, and catch this part right here. It says, as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. So here's the covenant. He says, my spirit who is on you and my words that I have put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouth of your children, or from the mouths of your descendants, from this time on and forever, says the Lord. It's important that we get this right here. So you have Jesus, the Redeemer, revealed. His, the, the, the Lord bears his arm. Jesus is revealed, and then it says, now I have a new covenant with them, and my spirit is on them, and my words are in their mouth. When, our, when the words are in our mouth, what do we do with those words? We speak them. We declare them. We proclaim them. We preach them. 
These are the words that the Lord has put in our mouth, and this is what I want you to start to get here. So here's the thing. That's the end of Isaiah 59. The problem is, is we always start Isaiah 60 as a standalone scripture, and actually it's a poor break in scripture verses there. It starts with this 59, which leads up into 60. And as you see this, so now we have the spirit that's on us. We have the words in our mouth, and then it says, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Here's the thing. It's as the Holy Spirit's in us. It's as the words are in our mouth. It's as we begin to now speak and proclaim who the Father is and who the Son is that now we're arising and shining. And as we arise, shine, the glory of the Lord actually rises upon us. It doesn't happen the other way. The glory of the Lord doesn't just come upon us. It happens as we walk in obedience to what he's calling us to in this season. It it happens as we obey his commands. As we obey his commands, now the glory of the Lord begins to come upon us. And then it says this, see thick dark, or see darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people. This is the time that we're in. There is darkness over this earth. There is thick darkness over the people. There is a veil over unbelievers. And the enemy has tricked the unbelievers into believing that there is no God, that there is no savior. Who's the light? Come on, guys. Okay, let's go back to that first verse. The glory of the Lord rises upon who? You. We're the light. So get this part because it's the glory of the Lord rises upon us. Then he talks about the darkness and then he says, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Not his glory appears so so that people can come to the light. No, it actually appears over us. As we begin to walk into this, his glory comes and appears over us. And it says, nations will come to your light and kings will come to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons from afar and your daughters are carried on the arm. And it says, then you will look and be radiant and your heart will throb and swell with joy. And the wealth of the seas will be brought to you and to you the riches of the nations will come. The riches of the nations and the wealth of the seas, this is people, this is souls that we have the opportunity in this season to actually take hold of as we arise, as we shine with the spirit of the Lord in us and with the word on our mouth. Okay, here we go. So I want to give you a little history lesson here. In September of 1939, We had Germany that attacked Poland. And this actually became what's now known as the beginning of World War II. In the last service, I said World War I. Everyone's like, what? (laughs) World War II. Now, not even a year later, now June 1940. So that's September 1939 is the first attack. By June 1940, Germany had actually taken over Poland, Norway, Denmark, the Netherlands, and Belgium. And had just taken France in the Battle of France. Two days after this, on June 18th, 1940, we have Winston Churchill who comes, he's the new prime minister of the United Kingdom, and he delivers one of the greatest speeches ever to the House of Commons. And this is in preparation for what seems an imminent war between Germany and Great Britain. Now, Hitler had conquered most of Europe at this point, and really all he had left to take all of Europe was Great Britain. And so I want you to hear this. This is about a minute long. It's the, it's the final part of this speech uh, that, that Winston Churchill gave, uh, and it's so powerful. So can we, play the, can we play this? What General Vagon has called the Battle of France is over. The Battle of Britain is about to begin. Upon this battle depends the survival of Christian civilization. Upon it depends our own British life and the long continuity of our institutions and our empire. The whole fury and might of the enemy must very soon be turned on us. Hitler knows that he will have to break us in this island or lose the war. If we can stand up to him, all Europe may be freed and the life of the world may move forward into broad, sunlit uplands. 
But if we fail, then the whole world, including the United States, including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age, made more sinister and perhaps more protracted by the lights of perverted science. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duty. So bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will still say, this was their finest hour. Mm -hmm. Darkness was threatening the world right at this time. And... Winston gave this speech that was much needed in this moment. And his words had such an effect on the morale of the British people at this time. And what he did is he gave them two things. He gave them an understanding of what they were fighting for. And he also let them know that the hope of the world was on their shoulders. Two important things that they had to get in this moment as they were about to begin what was called the Battle of Britain. It was five years after this that the Allies and the British forces won the Second World War. And this is what I want to say. I want to equate this to where we are in the Western church. And I believe for some of us, we may not even realize that the enemy has actually declared war. He's declared war over the body of Christ. And this is what I want to say. There, I believe there are many of us that... You know, we, we, uh, we accepted Jesus um, and we said, okay, yeah, now we have this uh, fire insurance maybe and, and we're good to go and we're going to hunker down and here we are. Uh, we'll just wait for him to come back and we're good. No, when you actually said that he's going to be your Lord and Savior, you changed kingdoms. You went from the kingdom of the world to God's kingdom over here. And when you did that, you actually just stepped into a battle. So whether you like it or not, you're now in the war. You're now in the battle. And so I want you to be, first of all, aware that you're in a battle. Here's the thing. In Ephesians 6.12, it says, we don't fight against flesh and blood. I think we have the scripture. Hopefully, whoops, we lost that screen. Um, well, I'll just read it. So it says, uh, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Here's the thing. For those of us that do think that we're in a battle, I think the problem has been in the church is that we think the battle is with the people next to us. We're actually, we're, we're seeing like, the division of the church. We're seeing the battles. We're seeing, we talked about offenses. We talked about this mold, which is, uh, comes out of this like misunderstandings, which leads to, to uh, offenses, which leads to loose lips and things left unsaid. And then it, it, it results in, it's the uh, deceives, divides, and destroys. It's that mold is the acronym for that. But, but here's the thing. We are not in a battle against the people around us. We're not in a battle with people, period. We're in a battle against spiritual forces, and, and we first, we have to understand what our, what our, who we're fighting against. But then the question is, is what's the battle over? What are we fighting for? Are we just fighting for our own lives that we'll just be able to hang on until Jesus comes back? In 1 Timothy 2.4, God says, I desire that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. All would be saved. What's he saying? I want to get my family back. Now here on the other side, what's the enemy saying? What's, what's his plan? In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says, the God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So here we have one side trying to blind the unbelievers. We have the other side, we have God saying, no, I want everyone to be saved. And guess who's responsible? We go, oh, it's God. God's responsible for it. Uh-uh. You signed up for a battle. You're now responsible. It's on your shoulders. It's on our shoulders now. We're the ones that actually have to do this. If not us, who's going to do it? 
let me just say, I, I was going to, I talked about the Christian, I'm like, I, I probably need to apologize because I'm going to step on some toes. I'm not apologizing. I'm not sorry. I'm going to step on your toes this morning. And it's going to hurt. You guys clap now, but then you're going to be walking out of here in limps. Like, ow, that really hurt. Can't believe he said that. Yes. Guess what? God's been stepping on my toes all week, and I'm not the only one that's going to feel this pain. He's, <laughs> he'll heal us. We'll get healed. We'll get through it. <coughs> but this message has been so convicting to me. The one thing I do need to apologize for is I'm sorry because I don't feel that I have delivered this properly, that I have given you this truth. And it's up until now that this has convicted me so much. I've been walking through this this week, and the Lord has been showing me these things, and I'm like, I've been missing it. I haven't been walking in it. And so I'm, as I'm preaching this to you this morning, I'm not preaching this to you from a standpoint of, here's the way I'm doing it. This is the way you should do it. I'm preaching this because the Lord has convicted me in this area, and this is for us in this season, and we need to grab hold of this and walk in it. So here we go. Get ready to get your toes stepped on. Uh, so I'm going to just talk about a few lies here that the, the enemy has tricked us into. And the first one is that, that it's all about us. And I want to tell you, it's actually not about you. What we've done in the church is we've created this, these programs and these things in the church that, that what they do is they're for us. We have... We have counseling, we have sozo, we have Bible studies, we have life groups, we have, uh, we have this on Sunday morning. We have all this stuff. And, and here's the thing is we've begun to get this mindset that it's all about us. You know, get up in the morning, spend time in the word. You need to spend time with the Lord. You need to worship the Lord. You need to, you need to get in front of him and, and get closer to the Lord. And that's all we have. And, and I know you guys are all like, what? All of these things are amazing. All of these things are good. Bible studies are good. Church, Sunday morning, this is good. But this is to train and equip for the work of the ministry. This is not so we can just come in here every week and, and get our needs met. This is so we can train and equip for what we are called to do, what the commands are of the Lord for us in the army of God that we are now in, like it or not, and we're called to go forth. And it is not about us any longer. It's not about you. And a lot of times I hear this over and over again, like it's all this, well, like I just haven't been healed in this area yet. I'm really working on this. I'm, I'm working on trying to get this resolved. I'm working on trying to get that resolved. Stop it. We can't focus on ourselves. God will bring healing over us, but guess what? Here's the thing. As we step into the calling on our life, you know what happens? Is the Holy Spirit actually rises upon us. We have something that we have the glory and we have blessings that are actually revealed as we step into his callings, as we step into his commands, not as we try to get healthy as a body. And that's all we typically do. And I... And I I'm saying this to myself. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, and we talk about, you know, we've got conferences. We've got all these things. They're all great. But if we don't do anything with them, then we're wasting our time. We have to take it to the next level. And now is the time. This is our finest hour. Guys, we are only around for a little bit of time. We're around for a short time. And guess what? I don't want to be like the Israelites who were grumbling and complaining and inwardly focused and selfish in their time of 40 years because guess what they did? They died. They didn't get the promised land. I want to be the ones that actually go forth, that, okay, we're going to listen to the commands of the Lord, and now we're going to go forth, and we're going to do what he calls us to do. And in that, we're going to see the glory of the Lord rise upon us. This is a new season. It's a new time. We're crossing over the Jordan. We've never been this way before. We don't know where we're going, but it's going to be good. So all these things, the, the, the sozos, this stuff, it's great. We need it. I'm not, so I want, to, I want to not retract, but I want to say those are all great things, but that's not the end all. That's just the beginning, okay? There's this, there's this truth that we have that says God always loves me. That's true. What's not true is that God's always pleased with us. And sometimes we confuse the two. 
The pleasure of the Lord actually comes out of us walking in obedience with him. And when his pleasure is revealed and released, it actually releases the glory and the blessings of the Lord upon us. And it happens when we walk in his commands, when we're obedient to him. So this is where I want us to get this because it's so important that we see what the Lord's calling us into, that not only are we loved by him, but that he is well pleased with us. And he's well pleased as we begin to step into the commands that, that, that he asks us to step into. Uh, let me ask you this question. What is the most important decision that you will ever make in life? It's not a trick question. Jesus, salvation. Yeah. Do you guys believe that? Like, do we really believe that? Do we really believe that salvation is the most important thing for us? Okay, so let me now ask you the second question. If it's the most important thing for us in life, what is the most loving thing we could do for others? Share the gospel, right? So you've got it. This is it. It's about proclaiming the gospel. It's about proclaiming his truths. In John 15, it talks about, it says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. He says, this greater love is no one than this, that they would lay down as their lives for their friends. And then he says, you're my friends if you do what I command. You're my friends. I take pleasure in you if you do what I command. What am I calling you to do? I'm calling you to love others as I have loved you. What does that mean? We need to release the gospel. We need to proclaim the gospel. We need to proclaim the truth. Here's the thing. And Jesus says this in Matthew 5. He says, we're the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, what is it good for? It's going to be thrown out and trampled by men. Then he says, you're the light of the world. We are the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. Guys, it's all up to us. It's on our shoulders. And this is our finest hour. Like, oh, I want us to get this. Um, you know, interesting, in my own life, I just want to give you an example here. I felt like a few months back, I was praying for people. I was uh, seeing God move in mighty ways. I've seen healings. I've seen, uh, I go to the gym and pray for people. People get healed. I'd go, uh, I, was, I was at the, uh, the rodeo, and I had somebody just like, um, it was one of the rodeo queens, and, and boom, right there, she received healing on her ACL, and it was healed. And, and I'm like, God, this is so good. And then it started to dry up. And I was like, what's going on? Like, why am I not seeing, like, the healings and everything that, that I'd been seeing before? Like, and I was asking the Lord and praying through this, and this is what I heard him say. You're not telling him about my son. And it hit me so hard because here's the thing, and I realize this, we can, we can bring healing, we can pray for people, we can see God do miraculous things, but they're still going to hell. Do we believe in heaven and in hell? Do we realize like how horrible hell is and how amazing heaven is? We've accepted Christ and we said, yeah, we're going this way, if we love people and if we're compelled by love to that level, would we not want every single person to know that same love? Would we not want every person to, be, to reveal the Son of God to say, look, this is the Son of God. This is, you actually have a way to now be reconciled with the Father and have eternal life. Without Christ, you don't have it. We can share the love of God, which is great, but it's actually His Son that brings salvation. We have to get that part. We got to get this down in our hearts that like, and it's just an understanding that if we, if we realize, if we get this perspective, if we get, it's just been a lie that the enemy has, has put over us, has just covered our minds, that we would not share the gospel. Oh, uh, okay. You guys still with me? I just got a f just a few more things here and then I'm going to wrap up. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, 4 says this, for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. 
This is the ambassadors of Christ. This is the ministers of reconciliation. We speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God. This is our purpose, to please God. Not people. It says he alone examines the motives of the heart. Our heart needs to be for people. We need to be compelled by love. And that love is God sending his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins that we would be in right standing with the Father. That's the love that we're called to release to people. We're called to share about Jesus. Paul says, it's about Christ and Christ crucified. That's it. That's all I preach. It's a simple message. And I think sometimes we go, ah, it's too complicated. I don't know what to do. It's not that complicated. And guess what? As you begin to do it, the Lord will come upon you. His spirit will come upon you. You don't have to figure it all out. Don't wait. This is what we do is it's all about us and we're figuring out. And like, I don't want to do anything until I have this full understanding. I need to go through my six weeks of training here and this training over here. And then maybe I can share Jesus with someone. No, no, no. Let's do it now. We have the Holy Spirit. So the early church, yeah, the early church, they didn't even have this Bible. They had some letters and they had the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit we have the letters and we have the entire Bible right here. We can go. We can begin to share the gospel right now. Here's the second lie. It's not my calling. I hear this all the time. Guess what? That's a lie. Look in the Bible. I, wanna, I want you to show me where it, where it talks about callings. Where does it say it's not our calling to go minister to people? What we've done is I think we've confused commands with callings. And we hear people say, well, it's not my calling to go to the nations. It's not my calling to be an evangelist. It's not my calling to preach the gospel. Like I'm called to do other things. Here's the thing. In the body of Christ, Paul talks about this and he says in Romans, he says like that we're the body. We've got the hand and the eye and the foot and the ear. Like we're all different parts of the body, right? So we all play a different part in the body. But that's in the body of Christ. When it, when it comes outside when we're, when we're actually fighting the battle, we all have the same command. We all have the same calling. It's not that some are called to one thing, some are called to another thing. There are offices, and we could talk about the offices at some point. Uh, in Ephesians, it talks about the, the offices. But, but there are commands that are for every single one of us, and they're for us right now in this time. And this is in Mark 16, 15, it says, this is Jesus. He says, Jesus gives us this command. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He doesn't say if you're called, if you pray about it and you feel the calling on your life, then go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. Right? That's not what my Bible says. It's for every single one of us. So here's the thing. We are all called to be evangelists. And I know that's a big scary word and you're like, I don't think I can do it. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. Allow him to come over you. Allow him to move upon you and watch what he does. It's not about you. It's all about him. But he's going to use us. We're light. We're salt. We need to stay as salt. We need to stay as light. We cannot cover up. This is, I talked about this in the last service. We have, if you have a neighbor and, and a lot of times we go, well, we're loving on them. Well, loving on them is not bringing them cookies and 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 giving them a meal and telling them how much God loves them. Sorry. Loving them is sharing the gospel with them. If you do not share the gospel with them, who will? And, and sometimes we think, well, there's no urgency. I just want to get to know them. There is an urgency. We don't know how long they're going to be around. We don't know their situation. This is, what I, this is the conviction that I've had in my heart. It's like, we have to stop playing this game of just, well, I'm building relationship with them. No, share the gospel with them. Like, let the Lord do the rest, but share the gospel with them. Do it in love. Do it because we're so compelled by love that we don't know if they're going to live tomorrow. We don't know if they're going to be a car, in a car accident tomorrow, but we do not want them to go to hell. We want them to go to heaven. We want them to have eternal life because we love them so much, and the Father loves them so much that he would send his son. And he says, do what I did. Go after them. With everything that you have, go after them. Guys, we have to get this love in us, and we have to be compelled by love. And every person that we see, we should be sharing the gospel with them. 
We should be saying, do you know this Jesus? Let me tell you about this Jesus. Why? Because if you don't know about this Jesus, you may not go to heaven. And I want to see you go to heaven. I want to see you in eternity. I want to see you as a brother or a sister in Christ. It's not just about healing. It's not just about loving them with like, like good things about being humanitarians. Those are all good things. And those open the doors. There's a lot of times... You can go and you can pray for someone and that, like in that moment, it's like, oh, that just revealed the love of the Father. And let me tell you how you can have a relationship with the Father. It actually comes from the Son, His Son who died for you, that we can begin to share that gospel truth. But don't stop at, well, good job, you got healed, uh, God, God loves you, and walk away. You just missed an opportunity to actually share the gospel with someone, to share the truth, which may affect their life for eternity. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, this is the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Again, command, not a calling. This is the command. These are the things he says, if you do my commands, you, if you love me, you'll do my commands. Like they go hand in hand. It's not like, well, I'm not going to do the commands, but I still love you. No, no, no. They actually go hand in hand. Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Guys, it starts right here in our backyard. This is Jerusalem, but it goes on to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the world. We're called to go. Don't think that, they, that, we're, that we're called just to stay in this place. There is a command for us to go and to preach to all nations. So I'm sorry to pop some bubbles there, including my own, that would think, well, that's not really my calling. Guess what? It's not a calling. It's a command. Third thing, Jesus is coming back no matter what we do. Huh. Jesus is coming back, no matter what we do. But when Jesus comes back depends on what we do. In Matthew 24, 14, it says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. It will be preached. Who does the preaching? If it's not us, who's it gonna be, guys? Who's going to do the preaching? Romans 10, 13 through 15. If you can put this up, this is an important one. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's awesome, right? How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one that they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Here's the point. All of this can happen by itself, but there's actually one part that we have to play in order for this whole thing to actually come into place. Can you just go to the next one? Right here. How can they hear without someone preaching to them? Guys, this is our part. We have to preach. We have to share the good news. When we share the good news, that's all, like, that's all we have to do. Now, there's, yes, there's discipling, there's things that we, that we do, but this preaching is all we're required to do. We let the Lord do the rest. It says, when, when the preaching happens, now, now they've heard, and then they can believe. And if they believe, now they can call. And if they've called, now they can be saved. But it doesn't happen unless we do the preaching. We're writing history right now. We're writing the history right now as the church. We think that it's already been written. We think that it's written in here. No, we are writing history. The decisions that we make today are writing history right now. The decisions that we make tomorrow, the people that we come in contact with, it affects eternity. What we do affects eternity. 
And this is our finest hour. The time is now. This is the day of salvation. It's the harvest time. When the harvest is ripe, we harvest. I've never heard a farmer say, well, the, the, this is the harvest time, but you know what? I'm just not quite ready. My heart's not ready for this harvest. I'm going to just wait. We're going to prepare. I'm going to meet with the other farmers. We're going to pray about it and see if this is really the time we want to do the harvest. No. When harvest time comes, guess what happens? It's time to harvest, guys. We are harvesting. Like it or not, whatever position you're in, you drop everything. We're going after the harvest. This is it. The time is now. The day of salvation is today. Will you guys stand up? I hope we see just this urgency in preaching the gospel. It's been such a lie that we have believed, that I have believed. I just, I mean, think just over the past month, how many, and and this is not a condemnation, but this is kind of that conviction to say, how many people have we passed by? How many people have we had an opportunity to share the love of Jesus with that we didn't? That we could have affected eternity. It's not to condemn us. I'm right here with you. I'm, I'm speaking in this place. I've been on my knees. I've been crying out to the Lord. Like, man, I'm sorry that I haven't seen this. I'm sorry that I've missed it. But I, in this time, I, I want to feel that love and that compassion that the Lord has for us, that he would give his right arm, that he would give his son to say, I want my family back. That we would have that same love, that same compassion, that same desire, that we don't just go, well, I'm just going to love them. I'm just going to, you know, pray for them and, and let them go. No, that we would say, no, you need to hear the truth. This is going to affect you for eternity, and it could affect your children and your children's children. We're the ones that have to do it. We have to gain that heart of love and that, the, that the Father had and that Jesus had. So I'm going to just pray this over us. I, Lord, how do you want to do this? I just, I just, before we go, I just, I want to break the lies. I had um, Tom and, Teb, uh, and uh, Debbie Grandy come up in the last service, and they shared. Uh, there's a, this is a man that um, he had a, a widowmaker, the widowmaker, a heart attack just a, about seven weeks ago. Chances of survival are like point 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 zero zero or point zero 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 percent. Like they said that um, he rode the lightning all the way to the hospital. He was basically dead. Uh, his heart stopped, went all the way to the hospital, and he was the first person. the The guy who did it said, "You're the first person in 12 years. I've done this for 12 years, and I've never seen a person come through it." He was the first one to come through it. This is a man who at the age of 13 stood up in front of church and had a scripture to read and he was supposed to pray something and he froze. And he ran out the doors and he said, I'll never stand up in front of a crowd again. I'll never preach the gospel. The enemy crippled him. He was 13 years old. He's 71 now. 58 years went by and he's never held a microphone in his, in his hand. He got up here today at the nine o'clock service and he gave his testimony. The Lord healed him But not only healed him in the physical sense, he healed his heart in a way where he is now in a different place where he is like every person that he sees, every person that he comes in contact with, he is sharing the love of Christ with them. He's going into needers and he's saying, do you know that Jesus really likes you? He's never done this before. He's never done it. He's never prayed up here and he's never never shared a testimony in front of anyone. 58 years had gone by. And I feel like there's strongholds that need to be broken that say, no, now's the time that we would go forth, that we would share the gospel, that we would proclaim the gospel, and that the lies that we've had in our heads, the things that have held us back from proclaiming the gospel, the things where we say, well, (coughs) how is this going to affect me? If I tell them about the love of Jesus, it's going to change our relationship. So what? So what? How much do you love them? Do you love them so much that you just want to keep that relationship with them? Or do you want them to have the opportunity to know the truth, to have salvation, to have an eternal life with Jesus? This is what we're going to have to go after. 
So can we break these lies? I just feel like there's many of us, including myself, that we just need these lies broken. Can we just put our hands out? I'd call you up, but I think hopefully you'd all come up. Lord, I ask right now for all of us, including myself in this place right now, Lord, would you break these lies and these strongholds over our life that, that have kept us from proclaiming the gospel, that have kept us from going after the, your commands, that have kept us from loving the way you've loved us. Lord, would you reveal your love to us in a greater way that as we see people, as we see others, as we see that one in front of us, that we would love them the way that you loved us. Would you reveal that love to us? Would you reveal that truth to us? Would we be so compelled that we would stop everything, that inconvenient ministry would become our normal ministry? That we would stop everything, everything that we think is so important and say, no, it, it, it matters nothing compared to sharing the gospel that would affect somebody for eternity. Lord, would you reveal that truth to us? Lord, I ask that you would break the strongholds right now in the name of Jesus. Break these lies over our life. Lord, that we could proclaim the gospel with truth and with boldness. As Paul proclaims, as he says in, in Romans 6, he talks about the armor of God being on him. It's not just for us. It's so that we can boldly proclaim the gospel to every tribe and every nation. Lord, would we be able to do that in this season? Give us the boldness to fearlessly preach the mysteries of the gospel that we would be ambassadors of Christ, that we would rise up as ministers of reconciliation. Oh God, would you put it on our hearts? Lord, would you begin to build your kingdom right here in this place? That as we walk out from this place, that we would begin to proclaim your gospel truths, that, that this is how we begin to build the family. This is how we go vertical. We've been building foundation, we're going vertical. And it's building blocks of lives. We're building lives. And it's all built on the cornerstone being Jesus. Lord, I ask that we would be the ones in this season, in this time, that this, we would realize that this is our finest hour, that the time is now. We're here for such a time as this. Don't let this time pass us by. Don't let us pass it on to the next generation. Lord, I pray that we would be the generation that moves forward to see your kingdom come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do this in our lives. Move upon our hearts. Give us your love. Give us hearts for the people. Change our mindsets in Jesus' name mighty name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Whew. Love you guys. I want to do this. I'm going to have ministry teams. If you can, come forward. I'm going to release you. God bless you. I pray that this message goes deep in your heart, that we are compelled by love from this moment forward. If you need prayer for anything, uh, Come forward. We're going to strengthen ourselves in the, in the power and might of the Lord to go forth and do his commands and his callings. God bless you. We'll see you.